On September 28, 2017, Julia Louis-Dreyfus tweeted, One in eight women get breast cancer. Today, I'm the one. Well, on June 28, 2019, I was that one. My name is Tina Zaremba. I live in East Harlem. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. A voiceover actor. And I've spent a good portion of my life being afraid. Though I didn't realize that until very recently. From the outside, I might not look afraid. I can practically hear my mother saying, You're not being fair. You moved to New York by yourself, Tina. That takes real bravery. Or you got an agent and have been consistently working toward your dreams. How many fearful people can say that? But moms are biased, right? They're supposed to see the good in everything you do and point it out to you. So even if it doesn't look like it, and even if my mom would argue against me, I can say for certain that I've been afraid most of my life. Afraid, afraid, afraid. Much of this podcast will be about exploring my fears, connecting them to fears we all have in common, and hopefully helping us both through the process. But before we dig into all that, I suspect you'd like to know more about the events that led me to launching Chemo Stories in the first place. All right, to understand how I got here, we have to rewind a few months. It was a cold February day in New York, and since my primary care doc had decided to expand her practice to include an OBGYN, I made an appointment. And just in the nick of time, because my old OBGYN stopped taking my insurance, and it had been a year since I was last seen for anything related to lady anatomy. I was greeted by my new OBGYN, Dr. Hertz, who did the routine checkup and quickly found a lump in my right breast. Feel here, she told me, guiding my hand to a spot. Yep, that's a lump. At the time, I wasn't super worried since I had lumps in the past. I even had a clip put in my left breast to monitor a benign lump a few years ago. But Dr. Hertz, she wanted to be thorough. So I went to get it checked out. Mammogram, sonogram, the works. Once it was all done, they told me that said lump was just a cyst and that it could be drained if it got uncomfortable. Well, sure enough, the cysts got bigger and got uncomfortable and let me tell you, I had every intention of getting it drained. But it was the end of the school year for my son, and then it was the start of his summer camp, and blah, 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 blah. Excuse after excuse piled up. A few months after the cyst was found, I woke up in the middle of the night feeling this electric pulse zipping through my right breast. Unwilling to accept that this was significant, I put my hand on my breast said a quick prayer, and fell back asleep. But soon after that little episode, I saw a slew of get-your-mammogram signs plastered all over the subway on my morning commute. Then, as I dropped my son off at summer coding camp, I saw another sign, this time on the back of an old phone booth, shouting, get your mammogram, right at me. I was literally seeing signs to do the thing I'd been avoiding. So I walked over to the radiologist's office, found out that they could squeeze me in in just two days later, and uh, set up an appointment. 
fast forward to the day of, and I found myself being told, there's no cyst, but I can't leave until I have a needle biopsy. What? I anxiously asked, is it cancer? The radiologist couldn't confirm or deny, but said it was concerning to him and that I could not leave without a biopsy. I remember thinking, this can't be happening. This cannot be happening. This can't be happening over and over again. I could feel a cold wash of terror and fear start at the top of my head and pour over me. The nurses and doctors all became these mechanical robots. They worked quickly and quietly while I sobbed and sobbed. On some level, I must have understood the gravity of the situation because I don't recall thinking or letting my brain function. All I remember is feeling, really feeling. I felt like my life was ending. I could see my nine-year-old son, Jack, and I felt terrified that I wasn't going to be there for the milestones of his life. I felt deep sadness at the thought of my husband being left to raise our son all alone. And I felt disoriented, confused, and panicky. I also clung to a weird kind of denial, thinking, this is impossible. This, this isn't me. This has got to be a movie, not my real life. Please, God, don't let this be my life. Everything I felt was so intense. I wanted to jump out of my body. That horrible appointment was on a Friday. So, of course, my weekend was spent in full-on freak-out mode. Although I had intermittent moments of Xanax and Zen, We'd plans to go boating with family that weekend. Typically, I don't like sailing, since I'm an earth sign and not the strongest swimmer in the world. But when you're facing down a cancer diagnosis, things like drowning and seasickness start to seem, well, minor. It's easier to let go of smaller worries when you're facing down your own mortality. Perhaps life gets prioritized the way it should when you're in that headspace, you know, the mundane and even the insane things in life no longer feel insurmountable. I would soon find out that a cancer diagnosis brings a tidal wave of fear into your life. But once that wave recedes, it may leave behind a weird kind of freedom. I'm Tina Zaremba. I'm searching for strength, grace, and trust. You've been listening to Chemo Stories.